the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 111, recorded Friday, October 4th, 2013. Crestron Software Bazaar. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us. Downloading, streaming, however it is that you're listening to my voice, thank you very much for doing so. Uh, with us this week, uh, this is our Cedia show. This is our annual uh, Cedia recap show one week ago uh, in beautiful downtown Denver, Colorado. The folks from Cedia got together uh, from various publications, various manufacturers, and various integrators from around the country. Uh, converged on Denver, and I have four of those very people here, and they're also some of the Cedia tweeps, so I, I feel very privileged for that. Uh, first up is Matt D. Scott. He is the owner and everything at Omega Audio Video. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Also is Rich Fergoza from FergozaDesign.com. How are you, brother? Left Coast greetings. Good to see you all. I'll hear you all, and yeah. I actually got to see many of you, so it's good times. Yeah, Rich is one of those guys. I've known Rich for two years, and I've still I consider him like a like a weird brother, and I've still never met him in person. We call him the Godfather. The, he is the Godfather, actually. He's yeah. a lot shorter in person, though. That's because, yeah, that's because <laughs> you're seven foot tall, Matt. All right, moving Everyone's on. Everyone's shorter in person. Yes, Steve Greenblatt's here. He's from Control Concepts. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. And last but not least, Heather Sidorowitz. Uh, she is from Southtown Audio Video. How are you, madam? Hola, como esta? Bueno dias. Uh, screw it, I'm not going to do it. Donde esta la biblioteca de El Mar? No hablo español. Eventually, we will do a Spanish language one, and Rich, you can host that. How about that? Sounds good. Uh, can, I, can, I, can I overdub? Yes, you can overdub in yes. Canadian. Um, Canadian, perfect. Yeah. By the way, hockey started this week, and the Cardinals are in the playoffs, so it's in the bears are only three and one so it's you know it's a good time uh we're gonna talk about a bunch of cedious stuff some residential stuff um and i think for the first time in the two years we've been doing this we're going to recap a story we did last week uh because apparently it was all the buzz on the floor of cedia so uh stay tuned for that first up though from our buddies over at ce pro which i don't know one or two or three of you guys write for at least one of the eh publications uh, Cedia Expo attendance is up 6%. Yay! Uh, up to 17,900. Uh, Rich, we'll kick it off with you. Is this, how, what, did it, first of all, did it feel like it was up? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, pretty I mean, sure that it, with it being single digit gain, yeah, it, it felt like it. Um, I think one of the things that I noticed is that, um, although it's definitely not at the high point of where we were, um, there was a lot of kind of concerted effort being put out by the people that were attending and the people uh, and the vendors there. And one of the things that I noticed is it wasn't jam-packed. It didn't feel like the aisles were shoulder to shoulder, 
But one of the upsides that I saw from it is it seemed that everybody that was there was there to do business. And the people that were there to do business had time in the booth. Um, they were getting FaceTime instead of being, you know, 40 deep and kind of looking and going, oh, forget it. I'm just going to go move on. So like CES, uh, like CES. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, you know, was it as huge as, you know, some of the, the like Infocom or something like that? No, I think we're. I think what's happening is we're getting to become more of a, a refined show. And, and I was surprised to see that it was 6% because with it moving back to the West Coast, my first thought was, well, how many of the East Coast dealers are going to make their way out? Much like when it's on the East Coast, how many West Coast dealers make their way out? So it was a nice surprise to, to see that. And definitely class attendance was up. That was the one big thing that I noticed is that they restructured their class schedules and just their course offerings. And they were a lot more... Um, heavily populated, you know, you, you weren't getting, you know, all of these different courses that maybe they had two or three people in. Every every class that I walked in and took a peek on was was pretty well populated. Now, you mentioned the East Coast, West Coast thing, and with with Infocom, I get that, because one year it's in Orlando, which is as as East Coast almost as you can get, you know, save, you know, maybe, maybe Daytona Beach. The other, the opposite year, it's in uh, Las Vegas, not quite to the Pacific Ocean, but but darn near. Cedia to me, though, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, feels a little bit more Midwestern-y uh, because when it's it's East Coast, Coast-ish, it's Indianapolis. And it's, when it's West Coast-ish, it's Coast-ish, it's actually Denver, which is more mountain time. Do you think that helps or is that just kind of the nature of, of, of how they work things out? I think it's the nature of how it worked out because keep in mind, we you know we've done Minneapolis. Uh, we had Atlanta, we had New Orleans, we had San Francisco, Dallas for many, many years. Uh, I mean, and, and in the very beginning, um, you know, what is the CDS show now started out as the custom manufacturers all together in the Mirage during CES. So, you know, that evolution of it, I, I think that maybe they do try to stay a little bit more central. I mean, in Indianapolis made sense a lot of times because that's where CDS was headquartered. And I think at that point, they've been trying to find kind of their groove in terms of the other cities where, you know, like we were just saying, it's like where a West Coast dealer doesn't think it's too far or an East Coast dealer doesn't think it's too far. Um, and the size of the show. I mean, it's, it's not a CES, so it's not like we have to put it in a gigantic venue. If we can yeah. get in a large venue, um, it changes some of the options available in terms of the cities there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love Denver, so I, I was pretty happy. But I... I can't say that you know really any of the cities that it's been in. I've I've had a bad time in. You know, go figure that Uncle Richie can find can find mayhem uh, in any city he shows up in. Uncle Richie can have fun in St. Louis, so that's saying something right there. Uh, Heather, what was your experience like like this year at at, at Cedia? I thought it was good. I felt like I wanted to just keep saying like we're back, baby. Um, I, I think that there was kind of a there was a good vibe going on. Everyone that I spoke to in class and out of class seemed that. You know, it, it was a good vibe. Um, people were positive. It wasn't gloom and doom. Everything was on the up and up. Um, I think eight, almost 18,000 people. It, it was a good size. It was, it's, a must, it's a nice show to go to. And I agree with Rich that it's nice to go and talk to. I, you know, when I was, at, I was visiting at Lona, I was talking to the engineer who was actually making the stuff. I, I love that about Cedia. And that's the only place you can get that. CES, you're vying for attention. You're begging someone if you can even get through. There's so many people. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, I, I would definitely say it was positive. The education stuff is fantastic. I love to see that people – I always think that's 
the best kept secret that people aren't doing classes, but to hear it was up 50% was, was fantastic. It's good that we're committing to our industry. Yeah. Steve, this is not your first or second time at Cedia. Uh, compare it to years past. Uh, obviously, it's not just Cedia, but Cedia and Infocom and other trade shows have had a little bit of a downturn. And this was a big year for, for a lot of trade shows, uh, Cedia included, where it seems like at least the, the, the genesis, the seeds of industry and the seeds of, of building and renovation are coming back in the fact that the business people, the people who are actually doing these things, the, the programmers and the manufacturers are seeing it happen. And so uh, the integrators are coming back to shows. So compare it to other years and years in past. Sure. It, it, I, I do. I, I agree with what Heather just said. And I, I think that the, the vibe was really good. And, and I think it followed suit with what Infocom uh, really tried to portray in terms of uh, re-energized, uh, back-to-normal type of a feel. Um, I, I, th- I think last year, uh, although it was a good show, it, it just it didn't have the electricity. It didn't have the the optimism, the the positive feeling. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, for me, the the experience in, in this type of a show is a lot less overwhelming, and uh, it's a lot less scheduled. Also, because it's not necessarily my primary market, but but I, I enjoy going to this show because I can walk the floor and take it all in, and you don't feel like you're you're so rushed and so scheduled, and and you do have the the ability to stop and have a conversation and 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 really get get to take it all in. So I I, I enjoy it for that reason, and and I, I do also like Heather said get get to be uh, a lot more recognized in the booths and be able to have lengthier conversations with manufacturers they're not so 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 their time is, is not already accounted for to not uh, permit walk-ins you know, if, if if you know what i'm talking about well is that is that because of of kind of the intimacy of the show itself because you're right both infocom and ces and uh other other shows like that isc obviously where it it there's a lot of people, They're the press of people like Heather mentioned, you know, sometimes you're, you're 10, 20 back. Is it just kind of the nature of the show itself? It's just a little bit more loose? It, possibly. I, 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 I may, it may just have to do with the, the number of attendees. I mean, if you, if you compare the, the number of attendees to what is at Infocom, although Infocom has, is a bigger show, uh, you know, the, it's just swarms of people. And, and I think in order to see all of them, uh, the, the, the time from the, you know, the first, the opening hour to, to the closing hour is usually all booked. And, um, and and the 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 other observation that I had too is that I think that there were more um, types of people at at a show like this, whereas I, I think that at Infocom now we're getting more of the of the higher level people and and not as many of the installers or technicians or or programmers and and uh, more more business owners, executive managers, things like that. And I, hmm. I think in this show there there may be a, a greater variety of people that you know I I, I can't validate that but but that was my sense <laughs> matt you guys uh correct me if i'm wrong all four of you were in a cedia tweep is that right everyone but steve everyone but steve <laughs> yeah, I'm he sorry, went out steve. on us this year <laughs> i didn't know you were allowed to do it two years in a row oh, come on I didn't know. isn't siaka like 10 years in a row now yeah, <laughs> yeah since, since <laughs> the I, internet I was, was invented yes <laughs> siaka has been up and everything <laughs> 
I, I was, was in the audience now. Doing it together. So explain for people who aren't uh, who aren't familiar. And that by the way, that would be John Siaka, the world's most prolific uh, AV blogger. <laughs> I think. Um, He's so excited to be mentioned. Oh, <laughs> John doesn't listen to this. That's why He's I can't. Going to get his head through the door. No. Uh, explain strong. to people what what a, a, a Cedia tweep is. Well, Cedia tweeps are the uh, the group of integrators and and installers and reps and non Cedia employees who kind of band together uh, as an official Cedia team, if you will, um, to help promote the industry, promote the show, and uh, also kind of compete for bragging rights for the most part on uh, who is the best social media uh, props. And, you know, the whole concept is really just to, to, to keep talking about the show, keep encouraging other, other people in the, in the industry to, to come to the show and to experience it and, and how to get the most out of the show. Because, you know, it, it's like anything when you have just one voice talking about it, sometimes either A, you're going to miss it or B, it's going to be overwhelming. So the, the concept of the City of Tweeps is to use some of us within the industry to uh, help promote you know, again, the show and attending the show and, and different parts about the show. So what was your sense of the show? Was it a, a lot more, not user-friendly, but, but a little bit more loose, but also did you have enough, enough time to go from booth to booth and time with the people that you wanted? I never seem to have enough time, no matter how long I go to any of these shows. I always feel I, I could have stayed an extra day or they could have ran the show longer. Um, just cause again, I, I love going to these shows. I love being able to see people, talk to people, network with people. Uh, and then of course there's all the products and, and toys, if you will, that we get to play with, uh, which is always fun. So, you know, for me, you know, I was there for, I think three days and I could have been there for, um, it, Especially it just, with it, you, with your plan, Matt. I mean, you had, you were minute to minute. You had that plan. I know, I know. <laughs> what was your, Heather what was gives your me plan? a hard time. No, Heather gives me a really hard time because, uh, if you've ever seen her schedule for a trade show, <laughs> it's it's less of a schedule and more of a whole boatload of numbers and names and appointments and and junk all over the place, overlapping at times. Yeah, maybe a little OCD, just a little bit. Uh, and, whereas and- myself, my schedule is as much as possible a nice, clean, blank piece of paper, and I make as few appointments as possible. Uh, just because I, I don't like appointments. So you're, you're, yeah, at but, you, but you personally are a lot more loosey-goosey. Than Heather? Yeah, definitely. Just Wait in, a second. She's very high-strung. Well, no, he's <laughs> he's more loosey-goosey than I am, too, because I'm a little high-strung no, myself. I, you know, this is... I, I've been doing shows for years, and, you know, I. it sounds bad, but the first shows that I used to attend were always NAB, which are just gigantic shows. Um, and they put Infocom and, and Cedia uh, kind of into like a little back corner mm-hmm. uh, size-wise. And, you know, when I first did those shows, I had the crazy schedule and I was running uh, at the Las Vegas Convention Center, you know, from Hall A to Hall E, you know, with 10 minutes to spare and, you know, never being able to make it and, and just having a much more stressful event. Uh, so when I started going to Infocom and Cedia, I've just slowly been st- – scheduling less and less and less because you know i'm to the point where the the reps i really want to talk to they're going to make time for me no matter when i show up uh and two if i have to have you know an actual sit down close the door let's have a meeting 
you know, that's fine. But I, I try not to do that as much as possible, mainly because honestly, I don't need it. I don't need the, the closed door sit down meeting um, because I'm never really complaining about that much. <laughs> No one's taking me in a room and close the door either. That's a, that, that's well, a, I would hope not. <laughs> that's, that's a good Matt, Matt treats trade shows like I do. It's it's kind of freeform jazz, you know. I'm just hitting with trumpet notes. I, I mean, I literally spent the first day just walking around. I, I purposely for that reason just to take in the show and get a feel for it. And uh, one of the things that we noticed is just to tie on what Matt was saying. The the one key that I noticed and that what made I think Cedia feel a little bit more intimate is. There were a lot less like planet-sized booths. There was a couple, but generally the show itself, almost all of the vendors had relatively the same size booths. So it allowed for that feeling of intimacy as opposed to like CES or some of the other shows. You're almost in a different zip code by the time you get to the other side of the booth. Yeah, I, and I know some of those booths you're talking about. So. Well, and, and that's that's half the problem when you have the very large schedules. Um where, you know, if you do get into one of those bigger booths, you can expect it to take you half an hour and it can end up taking, you know, two, three hours. Uh, especially like for myself, being a big Lutron guy, I, I'm never able to have the 10 minute Lutron meeting I'm supposed to have. It always turns into an hour and a half, two hours, because, you know, you end up seeing everything and you run into all the different people you know at that that company and end up chatting with them and, you know, having the same, oh, how's your summer? Your summer was good, great, blah, 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 blah <laughs> with, you know, 14 different people. And, you know, I've done the same thing in the Crestron booths and, you know, the AMX booths at, at Infocom and stuff like that. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm you know, just like Rich said, I, I really like to be able to get out there, see a bunch of stuff, crisscross the floor, do my thing and you know, be able to come back the second day and go, okay, well, I need to talk to these couple people. Let's go see when they're available. Yeah. Uh, to defend the type A personalities out there. Um, I actually, I've been <laughs> off a lot this year. I, I had commi- no. overcommitted. I know, right? Really? So, really? You overcommitted? I overcommitted. I saw your I was schedule. writing for residential systems for um, yeah. a website called New Home Source. I had agreed to help volunteer I was um, also volunteering for Cedia and, and for sitting and auditing some classes for them. It was, I would definitely pull back a little bit, <laughs> but well, see, it was but, great. But you learned, you know, you, you learned, you had, you, you thought your schedule on paper was fine. And then, you know, you found out. And I knew it was busy. Well, this yeah. is my eighth Cedia. How, how many has everybody else done? Uh, mine, totally. I took eight <laughs> years. <laughs> I took eight years off. So I'm in the high teens, I guess. High it's, teens. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a newbie, but yeah, it, maybe it, maybe on this team I am. No, no, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I would I'm say four. Are you, call, okay. are you calling us old? Is that what you just did? <laughs> Never. Never. I think that's mm-hmm. what she did, Rich. I, I do, do believe that the, the VCR repairman may have just been outed. So, uh-huh. uh, Real quickly, by the way, if, if you are interested in going to CDA next year, it will be back in Denver. And I swear one of these years I will make my first one. Uh, Heather, and maybe you can help me make my, my schedule. Uh, it'll yeah. be back next year. I don't think you want her help. September 10th through the 13th. I don't want yours, that's for sure. Uh, CDA 2014 will be back in Denver next year, uh, 10th through the 13th. Uh, we'll Great city. Go ahead. Sorry, I just said great city. It was a great city. Yeah, I, I love Denver. I've just never been to, been to CD. And, and the, it was here in here. I'm in St. Louis. It was in Indianapolis for two years, and I still didn't go because, I don't know. Uh, Heather, w- real quick, and we'll go around the horn with you guys. What was like one or two things 
that knocked your socks off or, oh my goodness, I don't believe this happened or this was talked about on the floor uh, this year at CDA? Ooh. Um, one of the biggest things I saw this year at CDA was the cross-pollination. And th- I saw it this year more than ever before. So you had Z-Wave, who is working with more than anybody before. You had Sonos that was now being integrated with URC and some other ones. There was the big news at the keynote, which, by the way, was the best attended keynote CD has ever had on record. Um, that when Tony Fidel came up from Nest, he said, let's work together. He had this big slide, let's work together, and then announced that Nest was integrating with Control 4. Mm-hmm. So it seemed to be an overall theme to me. Um, it, it was that that it was playing well with others, you know, was a theme. So it wasn't so much of one product that caught my eye, but the cross-pollination of automation altogether, that we're finally gonna maybe create these new automation systems that play well with others versus a proprietary, you have to use all this product or it won't work. I think that's a big step. Now, maybe as integrators, we may not all love that, but as a, if you look from a consumer standpoint, it's fantastic. Um, the other theme I was starting to see a little bit, and I bet we'll see this more at CES, is the non-integration automation. Um, so QuickSet had a lock that had Bluetooth capability. So uh, most people have a smartphone now. So now already in my smartphone is the Bluetooth. I walk up and touch the door, and the door unlocks. It's not an automation system. There was no programming. But it was, it, it, in all due sense, it really was integration. It was automation. Um, there were some, a few of those different kind of products floating around there. I think that from the consumer standpoint, that's exciting. I think that if they get that, they want to, they might want a taste of more, and hopefully we can kind of build because still automation is such a small percentage of the general public. Um, so I I was excited to see this. Um, not necessarily again one's actual product, but the the as I said cross pollination between products. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what was one or one or two things that you that you thought were just off the rails? Um, probably the one of the coolest things I saw, <clears throat> or or maybe better accurate or more accurately heard, was the JBL synthesis demo. Um, I'm a I'm a huge as most of you guys know I'm a huge fan of Pro AV and I come from that industry a lot and there's nothing that gets me more excited about you know theater rooms that are built off studio quality equipment and, you know, actual production, live sound, uh, quality gear. And I I was able to sneak into that demo, uh, at a time I wasn't really supposed to, but anyways, um, we won't talk about that at all. Uh, anyways, we sat in it and it, you know, housed some of the, uh, the JBL M2s as well as some of their CBT line arrays. And, you know, I've been in a lot of theater demos. I've been in a lot of theaters over the years. And every time I walk into a theater such as that, I'm blown away at the clarity that they're able to create on a not not just in a theater room, but on a show floor, because you walk in and as soon as you sit down and they start doing it, it's very hard to describe how clear and how effective uh, some of those higher end demos really are. It's not like it was in the past when, you know, I first started going to these shows 
and all you heard was somebody trying to outplay their neighbor. Mm, um, yeah. this, this was one where, you know, again, the difference from seat to seat was not, you know, really even discernible without actual measuring devices. Well, that's the thing. And that, that's the whole point of, of, oh, completely. of doing a, a proper audio system is, completely. what is it, plus but, or minus 3 dB, just so you can't tell. Yes, but, but you and I and everybody else here knows that so often, especially in the resi industry, unless you're in Rich's side of the <laughs> resi industry, um, you don't get that. You get, hopefully, within you know 20 dB seat to seat throughout the room. Whereas with their system, even the one they demoed in the room, uh, I'd have to check my notes, but I want to see it was 0.2 dB of variance. Whoa, seriously? Seat to seat, room to room. No. They have the highest, uh, or I guess the lowest um, dB difference room to room for every channel Holy within cow. it. Again, they're using a line array as a rear channel. Wow. Like, again, this is not, you know, it's not your generic, hey, we're going to put some towers in the back and make yeah. it cool. It, it was very, very, very nice. Wow. Um, yeah. The, the other thing I'd say is really just echo um, Heather's comment about, you know, how much they were pushing playing together. And, you know, I, I think that's something that our industry really has to get over because, you know, whether you're a Crestron house or an AMX house or an RTI app, you know, house or, or whoever you use for automation, um, there are obviously advantages to using all one thing. But at the end of the day, it should always come down to what's best for your client. And a lot of times, you know, that that involves using different parts from different suppliers, different manufacturers to make a package. That's that's why we're in a custom industry mm-hmm. is so we can do that. And I think all too often, you know, a lot of people in our business get hung up on, oh, I'm a this dealer, so I can't use that. Is it better for my client? Oh, probably, but I'm a this dealer, <laughs> so we're going to use this. And, you know, again, being being a pro guy, that's that was one of the biggest things I loved. Um, and then if we do circle back to some more of that uh, Nest stuff, I, I have another comment on that as well. But we'll, okay. we'll get to it. All right. Uh, Mr. Fergoza, what was what was one or two things that kind of knocked your socks off at Cedia? The uh, the bath-o-matic was uh, <laughs> okay. just hey. the crown jewel of Cedia for me. I, I, I know, I know. It's it's of all things, we go to a custom electronics show, and a bathtub is what floats my boat. Uh, no pun intended. Um, cool, coolest bathtub I've ever seen. Um, that one definitely got it, and you can actually see my videos on cepro.com um, <laughs> of my booth tours. Uh, it has to be seen to be believed. It's pretty cool. Third-party integration, web page integration, iPad, iPhone. It can, it's capable of doing 120 gallons per minute. What? Yeah. Yeah, they, they originally had showed at... Um, uh, one of the European shows two years ago in Amsterdam, and they just got American distribution. And so Cedia was their debut. Um, shower controls with aromatherapy and chromatherapy. The bathtub completely regulates itself to whatever level that you want, temperatures, you name it. Beautiful keypads. I mean, it was it's, it, it is the Rolls-Royce of bathrooms. That was the winner for me. And then 
Um, along with the JBL, actually, I thought the audio demo of the show was Wisdom Audio, who's also using line driver arrays and was stunning. Um, working in conjunction with Datasat for their processor and uh, Runco for the video, just exceptionally well done. And then Steinway Lingdorf, who was the uh, kind of the crown jewel of last year's audio demo, uh, actually demoed this year their smaller version. Um, which came in at a paltry 70,000, as opposed to a shade over 400,000 for their larger system, and sounded very good. I was, I was actually really impressed in terms of a full system that they were offering at that price. Um, those two were the things that stuck out. I mean, the usuals that were there. I mean, Crestron had some nice stuff. The, the Samsung app, I think, is the direction that we're going to be seeing things going along. Uh, I don't know, Rich. Yeah. I keep trying to use the uh, maid service on that app, and no one's oh, coming. Jeez, nice. <laughs> you need a better programmer. Uh, <laughs> and Rich could do it for you. And, uh, you know, again, it was, it was, I think we've talked about it before, is that the, for the show, the show for me these days is not about anything revolutionary coming out anymore. It's all evolutionary. Um, some more devices with HD base T integrated in it, which I was excited to see. Yeah. Uh, there were some, you know, some one-off kind of guys who do some specialty stuff. iRoom with their uh, keypad access, I, uh, iPad wall mount, um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, that, that was about it. And his leather shorts. Sure. Sorry. His leather shorts. Yes. Yes. He's Austrian. Just give him a break. <laughs> I was more impressed with the leather shorts than I was with the dog. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, <laughs> took moving some serious on. Cuts. And, and everything had an IP port on it. Everything had a LAN connection on it. I don't think I, I, it, I don't think there was a device there. I mean, it was like, you know, wire pullers were LAN enabled at this point. Wow. It was like every crimper you saw <laughs> well, had an IP address on it, it. Isn't almost to this point where if you don't have it, nobody's going to take you seriously? Pretty much. Yeah. Per Pretty much at this point. Granted, their protocol may not really work all well, that well, but at least they've got. Or it could, got or, a port or it could be it. like the old Sanyos, who, for a security reason, knocks you off the IP network. You know, right? I don't know if anybody experienced that, but at one t when when Sanyo was in business, uh, the, the 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 projector would knock you off the the uh, the LAN just because of security or something. So, uh, Mr. Greenblatt, what was one or two things that kind of knocked your socks off at, at the show this year? Well, I'll give you one observation that I think that uh, you'll enjoy is that I, I think I counted five booths that were promoting shades. That <laughs> I thought of you each time. Um, but uh, uh, the, the other thing that, you know, and I find it interesting that we're talking about how there's a more co cooperative um, relationships between companies and, and um I found also that there is also the control companies are making more stuff, and there are the, the so so kind of kind of does go both ways, and and the the um, I think the the control companies at least well, let's say Crestron in particular one of the things that they were promoting were solutions uh, rather than just products, and I, I think that that's important to think about and how. They, they have a roadmap and how all of their products play together and, and, and there, there is a method behind the madness. Um, for, for me, going to shows and is, uh, is about seeing the people, though. So that, that's what's most important to me. And it's good that there were, I was able to do that and see everybody uh, on, on this uh, show 
and and I think that just having those conversations and hearing what everybody's up to and talking about common challenges is really what what I get out of it. Mm-hmm. So the the uh, and, and the last thing is is the uh, the Crestron application market, which which I know we'll we'll have a, a, a chat about. But that that was something that that was important and and I thought was was big news. So. Well, no, we'll, we'll, <laughs> that's a very nice segue. By the way, you're listening to AV Week. This is our CD wrap-up with Heather Sidorowitz, uh, Matt Scott, Rich Fergoza, and that gentleman right there who is the host and producer of our fine control show, uh, State of Control. So we'll talk about the, the, app, the app market. Uh, it's a st- Actually, Steve, uh, Steve Greenblatt is the, 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 the man who was talking right there. Steve emailed me and said, hey, can we do this, uh, this story? And, I, and, I, and my first reaction was, well, you know, we kind of did it last week, and we talked with Brad Grimes and some other folks about it. And uh, it sparked a blog post um, for my Monday morning blog. And I was like, well, we, we kind of talked about it last week. But according to you guys, this was one of the main talking points, not talking points, but one of the main things that people were talking about at, at Cedia last week. So, Steve, what was, what was some of the comments out there? Uh, well, for, first it was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, it, it you know it, had, it was something that had been talked about and, and an idea that was out there, and then all of a sudden it was there. And uh, and I think it's a good thing, and it's something for you know, for for people in my position gives us a, an opportunity to to promote ourselves and and sell uh, some some of the things that we're developing, and and also gives us a different avenue to to create business you know, rather than. Being in projects, but but what what was um, really the the the, the uh, controversy or the crux of, of some of the conversations was just how it, it was it was perceived and how it was going to be used and and who was going to have access to it. Uh, basically, what we're talking about is the the Crestron now has the ability to when you go to their website give you an online store where you mm-hmm. can buy code or you can get free downloads by signing up and and ju- just the the nature of that just begs the question who who's gets access and how is that going to be policed and and there there's a there's a lot of questions so i think that it just has to be sussed out a bit you know the idea is great and i think that we all are are, are, are in agreement about that but but how it's going to to be put out there, and and how and and what are, are the the challenges or, or potential risks involved is I think what we, we're all going to need to see. And, and well, one of the things that was also a bit jarring was that the the old uh, place to download modules now does not exist. And and I think that 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 also caused uh, a lot of the a lot of concern. Uncle Richie, what is your uh, your take on the the new fangled application market by Crestron? <laughs> well, um, every once in a while, I think um, even the most seasoned companies will take a ready fire aim approach, and uh, I think that the the concept behind it was great in terms of it opening it up. I think the execution right now um, is a little flawed. And uh, I'm sure that they will correct it in time. Um, but it, it was definitely something that I think hit the programming community and the Crestron pro- programming community a little by surprise. Um, that, that's what happened to me. As I, 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 was, I was pretty much caught by surprise by it. Um, 
And so when we looked at it, um, you know, I, I think that it, it, I understand the intent. And like I said, I, I think the execution could have gone a little better at this point. And um, I, I hope that um, they can find ways to make it work a little bit more efficiently for the, the programming community and the dealers that they're, they're servicing. Because right now we're, we're kind of stuck in, it's, it's kind of a tweener right now. I think we saw it and everybody looked at it and went, okay, great, now what do I do with it? Uh, this is how I did it before. Now there's basically an open marketplace where you can you know, sell stuff and buy stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like the Crestron Bazaar. Nuts, dates, figs. Exactly, Aziz, lights. Thank you, Aziz. Um, You know that. So, so yeah. So that that that's kind of the one that 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 got me. Is it's definitely right now the software bazaar. And uh, once once they work through that, I think we'll be fine. But but right now, it's it's uh, it's 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 a little hanky for me right now. Just trying to navigate it. Well, one of the things in in my blog post was the fact that I see this as a boon for people like yourself and people like Steve and, and anybody else who's a programmer out there. Uh, we had a guy uh, from Full Tech Solutions, uh, Dan Fulmer, on, and I asked him. I said, can, "Could you do? Could you maybe offset some of the cost of maybe a, a more time intensive uh, module or more time intensive program uh, for one customer and offset the cost of that?" by taking that, the, the modules that would come out of that programming job and sell it on the marketplace. And he said, absolutely. He goes, we do that now anyway as we try to, we try to kind of uh, spread, the, uh, spread the pain, as it were, over several jobs so you're not hitting uh, one client with you know, this huge, ginormous uh, bill. He said that with this, we could, we could kind of you know, recoup some of our costs. And I see that as, as a huge thing. The other side of that same, the, the other side of the, of the sword there, though, is the fact that you have people who are DIYers, or you have people who will um, nickel and dime you <laughs> and and line item you to death, and say, you know what, look, look, you know, we, you've got all these this free resources. Why are you why are you charging me for programming at all? I can just do this myself and download all these modules myself. But isn't and, and I'm not a Crestron Crestron programmer, but we do sell Crestron. Um, it, it's it's all it's about still putting those blocks together in a seamless yes. form. So I don't think that this would replace someone like Rich. It's just a place though that may make Crestron more accessible to more people. Um, I, see, now I I thought it was really exciting to see. I think the concept is a good concept. I don't think it got nearly as much news as I thought it would. Um, immediately when I saw it too I was like whoa this could be big this is kind of a this could be a game changer and then really if you kind of google around I was doing it the other night while I was putting together my blog post um, it it didn't get as much press as I thought that it would the concept again I think in concept and and we were talking a little bit before we talked a little bit about it there um, that you know maybe it definitely still has some hiccups but it could be a very good thing to the industry again, not specifically and myopically to us or necessarily, but, but overall, it could make Crestron a more accessible. Their, their number one complaint is people call up because there's bad programmers out there who yeah. didn't pay someone like Rich and, and that they, you know, I hate Crestron. If we could fix that in the industry, we know that 
they're probably one of the most, if not the most robust. They've been around for 40 years. You know, but the problem is there's so many hacks out there. There's there's bad ones too. And if we could fix that, it would make again the industry stronger as a whole. No, agree, I, disagree. No, I I agree with that. Here's the thing, and, and I'm not. Yes, I agree with that. Period. End of sentence. Where where I was going with that is the fact that you know what here's here's something that makes them one step closer to being more universally known. Uh, one of the things we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago was the fact that you've got people, people like Savant, and you have things like Nest. Who Nest is becoming a a household name because it's easy, it's crazy. right? It's it's yeah. crazy, but it's easy. It's 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 it. You put it on well, your who wall. Would ever think, yeah, who would ever think you could make a thermostat sexy? Who would but, ever? But like, they but they've done it, right? They have absolutely. And it, they're making by extension. It's not home automation. Don't, don't misunderstand. But it's it's making home automation and, and home control a little bit more accessible, a little bit more palatable right. to people who you know maybe ten years ago didn't know anything about it. So the question is, how do we get from Nest to Crestron or to AMX or to whoever you want to use for your, your home automation system? And one of those things is making them more ubiquitous, making them more well-known. I think this App Store does that. I think this App Store makes it a little bit more accessible and a little bit more well-known to people who are not in the AV industry. Well, and in all honesty, the kind of clients that are you know going to, as a rule, use rich and use steve and use all the other ccp guys um they're not normally the kind of guys who are going to go oh christian has an app store maybe i'll just download it all myself and do it myself good luck with that exactly (laughs) you're you're still gonna you know and there there will be those guys don't get me wrong but they're the same guys that you know come to us and and say oh well we're gonna do all this but i'll just control it with this app i found online and you say, really? That's what you're gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. Oh, it'll be awesome. Trust me. I'm like, okay, fine. Sure, whatever. Do what you want to do. The the biggest benefit I see out of this is, you know, just as you started to touch on, that it's going to open up real automation to more people. Yeah. It's gonna grow that. You know, with Lutron, we always use a blue dot analogy and they always show you in every Lutron event you go to this big circle with this itty bitty little blue dot right in the middle and that's that's the entire you know market for their products and their penetration is that little blue dot because there's you know how many homes do we know gosh we're still not even at what 90% HD penetration in North America yet nope not yet like when we start to look at these products and, and, you know, the core of what we do, it's still such a limited market. It's such a small market that, you know, anything like this is good for the whole. When I, I remember when Lutron brought out their Sienna wireless honeycomb shades and a bunch of the big shade dealers that I know were all up in arms because they were going to sell it through Home Depot and through, you know, the same thing they do with, uh, you know, their Maestro dimmers. They're selling them in Home Depot, in Lowe's, in, you know, Ace or whatever you guys have down there. Um, <laughs> Ace is a thing. I know. I know. We okay. get commercials. <laughs> I can't remember. There, there's some, like, really old, goofy star in it. But, yeah, we get That would be John Madden, but thanks for going. That's the one. Yes. Jeez. You don't get it on ESPN, though. No, we – shut up. <laughs> wow. We've had – Steve, 
really? You're going to play that that card already? That that's cold. That's because Canada doesn't get ESPN. Thanks, Tim, for reminding me. Now I was I was Anyways. clarifying for anyone who was wondering. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh huh. Um, you know, but when they did that and they brought those shades to market, you know, again, it was a stripped down version. They weren't system enabled. They they were standalone, but it got people playing with it. Um, so I think it was Savant did the same thing with their their big boy automation. They called it. That's like a thousand dollar part. You can program it from a dealer or I think even by yourself, and it's. It's a one-room system. They should have called it the man cave if they're going to call it big boy automation. Yeah, but man cave is no longer an acceptable term. Have you not <laughs> been keeping up? No, I missed that memo. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It, it came out uh, like is two it, years ago. Is it sexist or something? Or I don't know. Designers decided it wasn't cool, so now uh, the world well, thinks it's not cool. Yeah. Well, Anyways. Designers. But, you, you know, again, it, it's the principle of uh, a rising tide is just going to raise every ship. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I, I do understand where, you know, a lot of these, these big time crash darn programmers are coming from. But the bottom line is if somebody starts with that from the marketplace, realizes they're over their head, then they can call you. And then you can sell them better stuff that's better suited for them. And it will really help. You know, it, all it's going to do is help the industry, even if it's strictly because we get more notice and more people understand what it is we do. No, I would agree with that, and that that was my whole thing. Is I, I think it's cool. I think it's it, it's it's good for programmers. It's good for integrators, and I think ultimately it's good for for the industry. So, all right. If I could add one more yes, thing, yes, it, 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 uh, No, you can. It, Your ESPN <laughs> comment killed it. You're done. Jeez. It, what it what it is doing is it's helping us help each other, and I think that that's really where Crestron is going with it. You know, there there are a lot of people out there that do a lot of great great things and it gives you opportunity for more exposure and as one of the my colleagues said uh, you know sometimes you're programming it and at night and you really need that one piece of code or one interface module that's going to get you over the hump and and it it you're it's a lot quicker for you to buy something for a few hundred dollars or even a thousand dollars than have then spend the time to develop it um, you know, so so I think that that that's really where thing, what what the the value of it is is it pr- promotes collaboration and and the other thing that one other comment to make is just it does come with responsibility. So one of the things that that we have to remember is p- posting things on a site like this. You are putting yourself out there, and and they have a rating system, and you want to make sure that you support what you put out there, and you put out good work, and you have to be prepared to be able to field the calls and the emails and the questions that may come along with it that may be from people that are very educated and find a uh, a legitimate bug, or it may be from people who are really not the greatest programmers, and you may need to give them a, do a little handholding to help them to know how to use what you've put out there. So, ju- ju- just uh, you know, a couple of, of different angles to take a look at this, and and uh, but but I think all in all, it, it's it, it it's going to raise the bar and and uh, give us all some more opportunity. Real quickly, well, uh, go ahead. It's something where that type of application has been or not application but this concept has been used extensively in so many other fields it's just finally making its way into av i know in the like the web development world that's been around for years and you do you get people that really know what they're doing and it's just 
you know, a quick way to jump in and, and get that, that code you need or that bitch you need, um, or even that design element you need and you can bring it back and do it. And then you have all the, you know, the guys who have a little bit less experience, but they're able to find stuff. And sometimes it does cause trouble. But, you know, again, if you're able to write for, you know, like the, you know, Stephen Rich on the call, for guys like you who are phenomenal at what you do and experts and pros and guys that I'd go to in a second for any help with anything like this, the ability for you guys to go in and market this and, and you know, jump in and say, hey, we're going to start developing more stuff that reaches a bigger population and, you know, really build another another aspect of your business. I think that's a, a highly missed part of what this is going to do. Um, I'm not a good enough Crestron programmer to do that. I will be the guy downloading something, trying to figure it out, and then sending you a bunch of annoying support emails. But, you know, for you guys to be able to increase your business, really, which is what this could potentially do for you, yeah. I think that's going to be a huge thing. But yes, remember, with great power comes great <laughs> oh, responsibility, Peter nice. Parker. Uh, <laughs> Parker. How did that become a Peter Parker reference? It's a, that's a total Peter, Par- Peter Parker reference. No, I know it is a Peter Parker oh. reference. I'm minorly. Do they not have comic books in Canada either? <laughs> nope. Okay. Steve, nope. Real, real quick, or Steve or Richie, the one. Dudley Are, Do-Right, my friend. Dudley Do-Right. I was a big fan of Dudley <laughs> Do-Right. I, I had a crush on Nell. Um, Steve or, or, or Richie, the one, are you guys going to, would, would you write or have you planned on writing or even talk to your people about writing, uh, modules or anything like that to put up on the, on the marketplace? Oh yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's absolutely, again, like I said, it's, it's it, the concept is a good concept. I, 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 I have no, I've had no issues with the concept. Um, a lot of CSPs, you know, now sell their modules on their own sites, which is a headache. Um, just because of the payment processing and updates and everything else that goes on. So, I mean, I understand of them being able to have a, a kind of a repository that people can look for you and you can send updates. And so, you know, does it allow for um, software developers and people who are maybe doing a little bit more sophisticated programming to create, you know, uh, a revenue stream and, and offset some of our costs and help the industry and, you know, give new programmers exposure even to our companies. Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely something that is now on my on my roadmap. Uh, it 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 just, you know, it's a matter of targeting appropriately to the dealers who are going to benefit the most from what we're doing, and and that's really where I'm looking at it. That makes sense. It, it's actually been part of our business for a couple of years now where we've been working with manufacturers. So we actually have stuff and before we, I even knew that the market existed, we, that we had, they had put our stuff up there because we weren't charging for it. We were, we were being paid by manufacturers to, to do development. So oh, it's, cool. we, we do have stuff, but you know, another thing that, that we've done is, too is you can write something small perhaps and put it up there just for marketing purposes just to get your name out there you know just another another thought not a bad idea and, yeah all right uh moving on from crestron from the bbc toshiba is cutting their tv unit in half um rich is, is this a, just a sign of things to come when it comes to the commoditization of of displays the fact that the toshiba's you know Feeling the pinch here. Welcome to the uh, the new industry. Oh yeah, it's it's 
uh, again, we're, we're just going to see more consolidation at this point. Um, the, the, just, the margins aren't there. And it's this, this constant escalating arms race that occurred. And they did it to themselves. I mean, let's, let's, let's not necessarily shed a tear at this point. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the people who were employed, um, you know, I, you know my, my thoughts go out to them. But in terms of the manufacturers and the executive decisions that were made a couple of years ago, um, you know, they, they created this on themselves and then they went, okay, well, we'll try 3D, which we all love. Uh, um, and we saw how that, you know, re-energized the display market. And now, uh, you know, we've got 4K and 8K or God knows we're going to get 20K, you know. I mean, it, it's just... We won't get 20K. I, it's not a derivative of 8, so... I, I think what we're going to wind up getting is they're, they're just going to go for like a Google K. Yeah, that's it. This is just constantly expanding. Um that, uh, you know, Toshiba was, was, you know, hoping to catch up to the Samsungs and the Sonys and the Panasonics of the world. And, and they're all starting to drop off. So I'm not surprised by it at all. I mean, we, we've seen it coming for a while. And these last gasps to keep trying to push, you know, the 4K, the 8K, the OLED technology to kind of create a premier price point to recapture some of their profits. Um, it might just be too little too late. And I... I Toshiba is going to be one of probably some more. We're going to be hearing more about this in the next 12 to 18 months. Wow. Uh, Matt, is this, where, where do we go from here? Like Rich said, there, there's going to be some more coming down the line. Somebody has to make money doing this somewhere because otherwise we just won't have displays. So how do these manufacturers make ends meet while maintaining a, a decently high quality that we expect? Well, I, I think you're going to end up with manufacturers like really Samsung and Panasonic who in all honesty really are the two main big boys anymore uh, Sony's still there but I don't think they move the same numbers um, but with Samsung's current spat of, of display products their you know lower end 50% of their their line makes them almost nothing it's their, their couple high-end models that actually demand a, a higher price point and in turn a larger margin that floats the entire, the entire business. And I think what you're going to start to see is even more stripped-down uh, models in the lower end reserving a lot of these better features for strictly just those couple high-end models. And they will continue to push OLED. They will continue to push 4K, 8K, 2K, 24K, whatever they decide to come up with. Um, but it's going to be those couple top models that are making money. And we as dealers know, we know that if we're selling you know, in Samsung anything below a 7 Series, you're, you're hard-pressed to make 50 bucks on a panel. Um, whereas if you're selling some of the higher-end stuff – you can not that you're going to make money at it and sustain your business, but you can deal with it, um, and that that's pretty much what it's going to be. The and as we've seen, displays have moved from even in the you know the couple of six eight years we've been doing residential, displays have moved where they were the focal point of the system and where most of your content came from, to a point where it's all set top boxes, it's all Roku's and Apple TVs and you know, even a couple of Blu-ray players are still around. Um, you know, this 4K evolution, depending on how much it manifests, 
they're still not going to be able to send that direct to a TV. You're still going to need a player. And that's that's where all this stuff is, is going to go. I just figured out how they're going to save their this, this entire model. Toshiba is just going to rebrand these as non-capacitive tablets. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> well, and so if they use... This is going to be the giganto pad. Yes, you have a 42-inch tablet that you carry with you that you can't touch. But you still, touch it's it. a yeah. tablet. It's a tablet. And if they use the new you know, Omni-Mount slash Ergotron <laughs> action mounts, they could pull it down from the wall, set it up as like a virtual ping-pong table, get their ways going. It'll be a party. We've, we've solved it. We've we we fixed it. You guys we are just it. mean. I'm gonna call. Right. Hold on. I, I've got Toshiba. I'm gonna call him right now. We'll make it happen. You you do that. All right. Move. But in, in all honesty, we saw this. We saw this coming. Like well, yeah, we it, saw it. I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys got in Canada or sorry in the U.S. But here in Canada, Toshiba this year, above 50 inches, they had one model. One. How often do we sell anything under a 42? Yeah, that's, that's true. The bigger, bigger is like it, more everything's in. gone big, yeah. and Toshiba shipped one model, and I think in the states you guys had two. Yeah, we don't do a lot of Toshiba. Well, and maybe that's the. Are you speaking for there the entire go. country? Maybe that's. Well, no, I she am. is. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is. For all, for America. For America. Ladies and gentlemen, our spokesperson, because of the shutdown, is Heather Sidurowitz. Uh. All right, moving last story here, and we'll let you guys get out of here. Uh, Kaleidoscape, this is from uh, from CE Pro. Uh, Kaleidoscape is adding two thousand more titles to their download, and this this story just continues to just amaze me. Still, for seven bucks, you can download HD titles uh, on your Kaleidoscape. Uh, Steve, how big of a deal is this? The fact that Kaleidoscape is, it seems to me at least, is going after. They're going after Apple. They're going after a bunch of people with some pretty impressive uh, offerings. Yeah, I, I think it's very legitimate. I I, uh, I, I, would, I first thought of Apple, and and I mean the the fact that you know with Apple, it's kind of parallels the Apple TV model. That uh, but but I mean for seven dollars, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, no, I, I and I guess what it does is it it you know what they're trying to do probably is offset the the investment in in their equipment and you know so this gives you maybe some motivation and and some added benefit for for laying out the big box to to get their device and uh and you know here's here's some of the the extra motivation you have and how they're able to do it at that price i don't know but i was gonna say that's good go ahead and heather that's good motivation though they're not allowing the download for $7. You viewers ha- will have the opportunity to upgrade their existing Liongate DVD titles to HD downloads for about $7 each. So you already have to own that movie, and they'll mm-hmm. allow you. I saw this at the show, that, that and you you can upgrade that movie to high def. Well, and again, it's only Liongate. Right, okay, but well, it's, it's this, not, you're not getting the, no, the... In addition to the library that they have. and Yes. Uh, so... The, Again, the, 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 the concept behind it, and again, and I'm an unabashed Kaleidoscape fan. I use it in my house. Everybody knows it. My toddler can use the Kaleidoscape system. Now you sound like John. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and it's designed for the way normal people think. That's simple. It's not dependent upon, you know, having a good or bad Internet connection after you've downloaded it. Because, again, the concept becomes, like with anything, is that, 
for some people, you still do want a quality experience. Mm -hmm. Love Apple TV, love Roku, love Chromecast, have all of them. They are convenience items when I need, when I want something now, and if the kids want to consume it now, and absolutely have to have it. It is not for me a performance device. It, it's enough, you know. It's kind of like the Panda Express of video streaming. You know, it'll wow. fill my tummy. <laughs> um, and the Kaleidoscape sets a different uh, a different standard, and it's the same sale that integrators make in the first place. Why do you want better speakers? Why do you want a better display? This is the source point to the chain. Otherwise, my feeling is otherwise, if, if you're not looking at this as a legitimate choice, then you really should be focusing on selling Vizio TVs and whatever bargain basement speaker you have because you're feeding it junk anyway. But, Rich, Rich, I, I, I agree. It, it's beautiful, but... What if I don't want to own it? What if I only watch a movie once and I never watch it again? Then you use your, again, you order from your little fast food video menu. And so it, now it's I have to be Panda Express. Yes. Is there an organic version? <laughs> no. Oh, no. You don't order off menu. You end up going to, you know, your provider and you download, you rent it from Cablevision yeah. or well, Time well, Warner or who, Vi Voodoo, you know, right? Verizon. Voodoo's high def. Well, yeah, and Correct. there's well, nothing. I mean, Canada, and, we and there's nothing. You, there's, oh. you don't have anything. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with with Voodoo. Why is he on the show? I don't know, because <laughs> I, I like him, and he's my my friend, and uh, he makes my website. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and he has better hair than I do. Here's the thing, though. There 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 is a use case for going to to Cox or going to um, uh, Charter or whoever your your cable provider is. Matt's right, and and watching it just to see if you like it, just to see if you want to see it. But there's also a use case for owning a movie. You know, there's a there's a use case for owning at least four of the six Star Wars movies. Uh, there's a use case for owning the entire. That's the only movies I actually own are Star Wars. <laughs> well, see, and, and I'm one of those guys who I still buy Blu-rays. I like Heck, jewel cases exactly. <laughs> I I still buy CDs. But do you think that you're the you're you're not the average consumer? No, do, I'm not. Do, do, do the average person does our mass market purchase our, these things? No, our but, mass but market is, watches. Hold, hold on, hold on. Let me jump on this first for one sec. Our mass market <laughs> watches Netflix and thinks it's great because half the time they're watching it on their phone in bed or on a tablet, tablet as they're supposed to be watching the kids who are watching. Disney Channel on TV, and they're watching Game of Thrones on HBO Go. But again, how often are we selling to that mass market? I know myself, I don't. I sell to the guys who want the better experience, who want the l dedicated listening room, who want the dedicated, you know, entertaining room or theater room or whatever you're going to call it or whatever the designer is going to let us call it. That's who we, as custom integrators, as a rule, sell to. Go ahead, Rich. Uh, again, it's it. We're talking. You know, the the purpose of this show is about the custom installation market, about specialists, about people who take. You know, the the brick and mortar store, or the Amazon concept, or the do it yourself concept, and say there is something better if this is of value to you. If high-performance video and audio is of value to you, then this is the product that gives you what you need without having to deal with physical media. If you are looking for just good enough from your cable provider, from your satellite provider, from your streaming solution, that's fine. 
they are not replacements. They are adjuncts. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they complement one another. And that's really the whole point be, behind this process, which is, again, we've got Apple TV. We throw it on tablets. We throw it on the mobile devices. It's fantastic for us when we want. It's a bear to have to manage a collection on Apple TV once you get up over a couple of hundred movies. You know, oh, you're cursing over. You're cur- you know, you're cursing over. You're doing this. And then it kind of reschedules it all. The Kaleidoscape, the, the, the phrase that's always used with them is the Kaleidoscape experience. It is an experience. You are purchasing part of that experience. And what they're doing is they're saying, look, we understand the physical media is changing. We all agree to that. They're just the first ones to say, not only are we giving you the ability to use physical media, but we see that the future ahead is going to be a discless world. We are right now at the forefront, on the bleeding edge of giving you all the benefits of disc without having to go to the store to get it. Now, that may apply to some, that may not apply to others, but they're out there doing it. And they're doing it for the early adopters, and there's a cost associated with it. Uh, Yeah, And I don't think anyone's fighting the fact that they do have the best GUI out there. I don't think that that anyone's not saying, you know, that, that anyone's saying against that. I'm just saying... Not everybody wants to actually own the physical disc, although we are going now discless. I, I think that we have to not say that after any drinks. We have to make sure of that. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, you know, I, but I think there are users out there who don't necessarily want to own it. So there, it's a different experience. And you're right, those higher-end, upper-echelon, absolutely, this is that perfect add-on piece. I'm just saying maybe a little bit larger of that market is someone who doesn't may want a great experience who doesn't necessarily want to own it who may still want it in high definition who gives their money to apple and not you well when they're renting from the kaleidoscape store i'm not getting residual from that am i if you have sold if you are a kaleidoscape dealer you've you've at least generated the inroad the original yes yeah instead of making a hundred bucks instead of making nothing no you don't make anything zero off the apple tv so yeah zero but it's a solution piece that people don't know about and that's what the difference is we're talking more mass market versus a higher end market i say hurrah more movies makes me happier you're here i say hurrah too i just have to save up my nickels and dimes from my paper route to afford a escape so our right. new cinema one. Hey, did coming into you know coming soon. I and I, I I applaud I applaud the effort by them. And real quickly, if you don't know what the cinema one 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 is, it is their stripped a a a smaller version at a more affordable price for Kaleidoscape. What was it? Two thousand dollars. Uh, thirty nine ninety five. So so four thousand. Still a a far cry from what a normal Kaleidoscape would cost you, at roughly twenty twenty five. Rich, you can uh, starting at this. We got into the entry level point of about twelve thousand. So I mean, we've literally dropped a okay, significant. Okay, so you could do. Drop. So yeah. you so you could get in for twelve or fifteen. Correct. <clears throat> Twice of what my car costs. All right. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, this has been AV Week. That gentleman right there, um, who I'm not even authorized to uh, to carry his bags. His name is Uncle Richie. Rich Fergosa. He writes for CE Pro, but more importantly, he is the world's greatest digital concierge you can find him at, at fergozadesign.com uh thanks so much for joining us sir always happy to be on always happy and hey look un- uncle richie lost his marbles it's been a while it's been a- <laughs> how can but be- it's always a fun trip it always did, is did i bring that out on you i'm sorry <laughs> N- no it's 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 the california air 
uh, California Air. How can yeah. people find you, sir? Yeah, uh, you can find me at uh, FragosaDesign.com. Uh, you can uh, read about uh, my booth tours and the blogs that I performed over at CEPro.com. And you can also find me on the interwebs with all the other social media mavens that are on with me today. Um, Twitter, at rfragosa. Uh, Facebook, Google+, uh, pretty much just type in my name and invariably I stuff I spew shows up. Very good. Uh, also with us has been Heather Sidorowicz. She's from Southtown Audio Video. Thank you, ma'am. No problem. Happy to be here, always. And how can people find you? Um, I uh, write for residential systems, so you can find me there. I also write for a direct-to-consumer site called New Home Source, which is uh, a newer endeavor. Um, my website for the company, southtownav.com. Twitter is uh, tech underscore chi, C-H-I. Um, and that's kind of my alter ego. No one knew me necessarily at uh, Cedia until I said, you know, tech chi. Oh, my alter ego um and yeah same thing with rich type in my name over at uh, google plus or linkedin and he'll find me yeah. uh, also with us has been uh mr steve greenblatt he is from control concepts uh how can people get a hold of you sir uh website is uh, controlconcepts.net and do the social media thing at steve greenblatt very good uh and last but not least uh, my favorite canadian his name is matt scott uh thank you so much sir no problem. Thanks for having me. And how can people find you? I'm pretty easy to find as well. Uh, Under Matt a D. Scott. Rock. <laughs> Under a rock. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. I only pick on you because I love you. Yeah, sure. I'm glad she doesn't that, love me. That was me. your last dinner invite, my friend. <laughs> you were cut well, out. If they're all going to be at 9 or 10 p.m., I'll never make it. That's anyway. when he eats. Well, that's, that's when grown ups eat. <laughs> wow. So, you know. Touché. Whenever. And either way, you know. No, no problem. Um, I can be found uh, online fairly easily at mattdscott.com, uh, on Twitter at mattdscott, on Facebook, Google+, the whole kit, mattdscott, or uh, at omegaaudiovideo.com, and the the same for, for social. I'm pretty easily found on both of those, or under both of those, I should say. Very good. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to, don't, don't follow me. Come to the website if you would, please. Matt has spent. Oh, follow in, Tim. He's awesome. As, as, as he spent an awful lot of time on it. Uh, he's still spending an awful lot of time on it. Uh, it's still under construction, so don't uh, don't don't freak out. Uh, he's doing a very good job. So avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this podcast, the Control Show podcast. We have an education one, uh, social media, and all sorts of other stuff. So yeah, check us out, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week.